don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh... It's Saturday and we were up late. Yeah. Consuming many yes. things. <laughs> yes. Much consumption happened yeah. and lateness was. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello, hello. Hello. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good, sleepy. Me too. Why are you sleepy? I can't imagine why. I don't know. I, I guess I stayed up too late for some reason and then weird. got up stupid early. So did I. What a weird oh coincidence. Oh my god. I was so also, uh, you know, eating a lot of cheese and drinking some scotch and beer. What? Who would have ever thought that you did that? I did that too. What a what? coincidence. I no know. Way. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. Quite a coincidence. <laughs> Needless to say, the um, the twelve or so mile run that I had planned to do this morning <laughs> didn't really happen. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. It's fine. I can do it on Monday. My cool new brewery job doesn't have the supplies I need, so I actually there's nothing for me to do on Monday. And since they've given me all the leeway I want with my schedule, I just, I'm just not going to go because there's nothing for me to do on Monday. And yeah. Of course, I'll you know I'll let them know that my plan will be to come in some other day when there's actually things for me to do, but. But yeah, yeah, nothing for me to do on Monday, so I'll just do it on Monday. It's fine. It's all good. Cool. I ran like two and a half miles with the dogs this morning, and it was hot, and I had no energy, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, uh, that's it. That's enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's unpleasant. I'm not happy. It's, it is not as nice out this morning as I had thought and hoped it would be. Yeah. I feel like when I looked earlier this week, it was supposed to be like 10 degrees cooler today than it yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I had thought, too. I had thought that it was going to be much cooler than it was this morning. It was already almost 70 and felt way warmer in the sun and was very humid so yeah i was just like nah screw this no. <laughs> i'm tired i'm going home <laughs> so i came home and watched the episode yeah sorry that was a good idea yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah. kurt's texting me oh. i mean somebody named my brother is texting <laughs> me i don't <laughs> someone named your brother <laughs> yes he's uh he's coming to take care of my cat's next weekend and oh where are you going next weekend uh i don't know somewhere somewhere out of state i don't know what that's like i've been in (laughs) this state for so long now i don't know what it's gonna be like i'm also going away next weekend what a weird coincidence no way wonderful end up at the same place again it's possible it's entirely possible (laughs) (laughs) My brother is worried about jabbing Pepper with a needle. He's like, I don't want her to hurt. And I'm like, she doesn't notice. Yeah, those needles are so small. Unless you interfere in her actual eating while you're trying to stick her with a needle, she doesn't even, like, stop. That's a good time to do it. She probably won't even notice. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. Like, pinch her neck and poke her and she's done. Those needles are so tiny. Yeah. Although I did find out that, so I went to put the cap back on one before I disposed of it, and apparently I bent it, and it was in the dark, and I wasn't paying attention, and it stuck through the cap, and I was like, what is that? Why does my hand hurt? It's because I scratched myself with the needle, but I didn't break any skin. Oops. So, that was good. Uh, Well, at least it was not used for a human, and so your likelihood of getting sick from that is 
much lower. <laughs> yeah. I did wash it my would hands be. immediately for more than two seconds. More than Sam's two seconds when uh, yeah. <laughs> when her gloves when were dissolving his... in that box. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That you washed your hands properly after that. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. So when I watched the episode this morning, I tried my new note-taking tactic of downloading the entire transcript of the episode and then taking notes on that and it was nice because it allowed me to watch the episode in just about an hour instead of two hours but there's also like a ton of extra stuff that I wouldn't necessarily have written so I'm hoping that it won't involve me having to like pause a lot while I work out what's worth saying and what's not so we'll oh see you'll just be like me then with my notes <laughs> where true. I like write down everything and then i'm like i don't need to say any of this they said this and then they said this yeah. and then they did the and that's what the script is for anyway i used a script to very easily take out word gaps so yeah yeah it'll be fine Perfect. it's fine and it saved me like a bunch of time as i said so it's great so yeah. speaking of this episode what are we talking about today we are talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 21, wow. 1969. Nice. I'm so yeah. excited. I know. I'm so excited. SG-3 Quarters is <laughs> in the gate room, ready for their next miss mission, and they are waiting on Sam, who's up in the control room. Daniel tries to explain that Sam has to take extra care with her calculations because reasons he didn't listen to. <laughs> So Jack yells up to Sam and is like, what's up? Let's go. She says she's almost ready. And then she explains what Daniel didn't know, that she has to update calculations because this time of year, the line between the planet they're going to, P2X555, takes them within 70,000 miles of the sun. So she has to update the drift calculation to include gravitational space-time warping. Whatever yeah, like, all of that like means. Like you do. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I write this stuff down at this point. I'm like, I might as well just been like, I'm Daniel. I didn't listen. That's, that's why I just downloaded the transcript because then I didn't have to write all that down. I still have the notes that say that. <laughs> so she finishes up, has uh, the folks dial out, and she's going to be on her way. But before she goes down to the gate room... General Hammond stops and asks her about the cut on her hand. I want to know what happened. That's quite a so, wound. Yeah. So what I was, I read somewhere that they, at least someone, I don't know where they got it from, but they thought it was the wound she got from one false step with the knife. Although but that was on the her angle palm, was, though. I know. I and know. Whatever. Several weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's what I read. Don't know if it's true, but. Mm. I am I'm skeptical of that. Yeah. Hammond hands her a note and tells her to keep it in her pocket till she gets to the other side and that the note is self-explanatory and everything is fine. And sends Sam on her way. She goes down to the room. The gate opens and the team is off. They sure are. Yeah. They can come through a gate that looks exactly like our gate. Everyone seems a bit confused for a moment. And then things get all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and there's rippling, and all of a sudden the gate is gone, and there's a rocket there instead. <laughs> so that's weird. A little bit. Yeah. Quite. So O'Neill asks Carter where they might be. She said that for a minute she thought that they were back in their gate room, because that is what it looked like. But all of a sudden, something starts counting down. Standing by for test burn in T-minus 20 seconds. 
It apparently is the PA system telling them that there is going to be a test burn in T minus 20 seconds of this missile that they are <laughs> standing underneath the thrusters for. So that uh, sucks. <laughs> Tilk asks, what, what is, is a test, test burn? burn? Jack says <laughs> that it is it exactly like. what it sounds like. They need to get out of there or this will end badly for them. So O'Neill starts shouting abort and everybody is looking for a way out. They're checking all the walls and all the controls that they can access and pounding on doors, trying everything that they can. The countdown is still happening. We're at 15 seconds. Everybody but Tilk is frantically looking around the room still. Jack is continuing to shout abort. Tilk just casually pulls out his zat gun as everyone else continues freaking out. The PA system continues counting down. Tilk, just all calm and cool and casual, lifts his zat gun, aims it, Shoots it at the missile, and it stops. PA system <laughs> counted down to ignition, but nothing actually happened. Jack wants to know how Tilk knew that was going to work, and he's like, uh, I didn't. <laughs> so that was fortunate. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. He looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. So <laughs> He sure did. <laughs> nah, he didn't know. No. It was worth a shot, though. <laughs> worth a literal shot. So at that point, a buzzer goes off and some doors open and three armed soldiers come in, aiming guns at SG-1. And surprised and confused, they all obey. And that is that scene. We end up with credits. Credits. Or as this calls it, that is the end of the teaser. Oh. Oh. The teaser. Teaser. I did feel very teased by that. (laughs) Such a tease. (laughs) The man in charge of the group holding guns at SG-1 asks the team for their identity and how they got there. Jack wants to know where they are, and the guy doesn't want to hear his questions. He just wants answers. Sam says to Jack that they're still in the gate room, she thinks. They're still in Cheyenne Mountain. While she's explaining this to him, the guard is busy threatening them that he's going to hit somebody if they keep talking. And then a voice from on high tells him <laughs> tells him to take them to a holding room. Jack's like, take me to your CO. And the guy fulfills his promise to hit him with his gun. And Jack gets hit with a gun. He does. Yeah. I mean, he told him what was going to happen and it happened. He did. Yeah. Next, they're in some storage room. Not SG-1, but the extant people, the, the local people people whatever we want to call them at this point they've got a bunch of weapons and supplies spread out on the table in front of them that apparently belongs to sg1 all laid out they're trying to figure out what the zatnikatels are the camera pans up and we see two military guys standing there and talking apparently there is a major an unknown major that wants all of that weaponry and everything stowed for transport they're still trying to figure out what the zat gun is but apparently the the higher up person i guess he's a sergeant tells the lower ranked official here to forget that he ever saw it and they're never going to talk about this again as the lieutenant is continuing to go through the supplies here he finds carter's vest and starts going through the pockets and he finds that little piece of paper that hammond had given her and being nosy and curious he pulls it out and unfolds it and reads it he sees that it is addressed to george and inside that there is a message that says help them and it includes a couple dates for august 10th 
and August 11th, as well as times a day, 9.15 a.m. on the 10th and 6.03 p.m. on the 11th. And he looks confused and skeptical while reading this note. It is a inscrutable note <laughs> at this point, <laughs> at least. <Yes. laughs> the team is in a holding cell area. Sam has already figured out that they've time traveled back about 30 years. How did she figure that? I don't know. And how did she know, like, 30 years specifically? I don't know. Maybe I, based on the model of the missile or some piece of technology she maybe. saw, I guess. <laughs> she, I just, she just knows. I don't she just know. knows things. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's like, little bump in your calculations, and she apologizes. But. I like that she said she explains it away as for a second or two they must have been in both time frames simultaneously as though that ex- yeah. you know that makes sense sure. yeah totally makes sense <laughs> yeah so that's why the gate was yeah. there and then not <laughs> all right yeah yeah <laughs> if you say so Jack let this go if she gets them back home and they can say it never happened <laughs> Daniel's like or get us home before we left and it won't happen. Daniel then goes off on a nerd tangent about being able to anthropology at Babylon and the Great Wall of China. That's totally words. Uh, (laughs) It was words. Yeah. Yeah. Teal'c, though, is like, you could also prevent bad events from occurring. And Sam's like, ah, no, we, we really can't do that. Because of the grandfather paradox... And she explains that if you went back in time and murdered your own grandfather, you'd never be born, which is only a problem if, if you're not, not Philip, Philip Fry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did do the nasty in the pasty. In which case, you just have sex with your own grandmother and you're cool. Because <laughs> you're your own, own grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> so this scene, remember, like, like a... I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I was talking about that book that I was, like, rage reading that had started off good, and then I hated it by the end, and I just wanted yeah. to finish it. This scene actually reminded me of that, because there was time travel involved, and they discussed the grandfather paradox, but then decided that it wasn't real or a thing that they had to worry about. So they had traveled back in time, and then to get back to the future, the machine wasn't going to let them go back to their normal timeline, because there were they couldn't go past a date they had already existed and they also couldn't go to a date where they still existed. So they had to have a friend of theirs in the future kill their future selves (laughs) so that they could then return to the future. Wow. And so their friend, their future friend is like, all right, I'm going to trust these past people. Like, I don't even remember how they got him the message, but they got him a message and he killed their present selves because he's like, all right, sure, I'm going to trust them. And then they were able to go home and uh, happily ever after they... They were able to live, and it was awful. Uh, I won't say the name of the book in case anyone's planning on reading it. I told told one of our listeners the name of the book and also told that person not to read it. it Uh, Wow. So it reminded me of all that. (laughs) It was a dumb, dumb book. (laughs) Uh, That wasn't even the least of the problems I had. That's a long enough tangent for that. pretty bad, though. Yeah. It was bad. Anyway. Yeah. So they're they're basically, Sam is explaining that they cannot affect this time as much in any way as much as possible because it could change the world in unimaginable ways, including they may cease to exist and everyone they know too. Oops. That would be bad. Yeah. And Teal's like, but I'm not part of the history of your world. I'm not sure what his point was there, except for that- yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Sam points out that 
they might not ha- open the Stargate, and if that happens, they will never meet Teal'c, and he will still be in the service of Apophis. Would he still be first prime of Apophis? I would think at some point, given how dedicated he is to opposing Apophis, that he would have figured out some way to I would break so. free, or maybe would have even been killed in the attempt to free his people or something. But I yeah. find it very doubtful that at this point he would still be first prime. Yeah. Even if he hadn't ever met SG-1. Yeah. So even if they don't tell anybody about anything, they still have Teal'c's hagfish to deal with and their advanced weaponry. Jack's like, haven't we already altered history by being here? So Sam says that this is basically now they're on damage control, so they've got to try to destroy all their weapons and never talk to anyone about this. And live in anonymity forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Jack's like, anonymity does not go over well in secret bases. And Sam insists he cannot say anything. Then some men with guns come in. And one of them goes to Daniel and speaks to him in Russian, asking if they're Soviet spies. Daniel casually says no in Russian. Yet. He realizes almost immediately what he's done by admitting he at least understands Russian. <laughs> I really laughed at this. Yeah. Very hard. <laughs> Jack was so exasperated. Yeah. <laughs> so the guards take Jack away and leave the rest of them in the room with Daniel, like, holding his head in his hands, leaning on the bunk bed. Like, yep. oops. <laughs> How has nobody had an issue with Tilk's tattoo yet at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody's acknowledged it or seems to have noticed it, but a large solid gold tattoo on someone's forehead is obviously not the norm, which is why he always wears a hat when he goes out in public. Yeah. I feel like but you're no. not a very good spy with an extremely distinguishable mark on your right? head yeah, that exactly. you I actually, don't when cover I was younger, up. I really wanted to be in the CIA or the FBI until I found out that you can't have any tattoos. And I already had tattoos at that point. So oh. I was like, oh, guess that's not going to happen. Like back when I was in college, I was thinking about possibly trying to go that, that route. And, and I was like, oops, too late for me. <laughs> it's not too late for me, though. No. Oh, now you're too old. I know. That is I think their maximum problem. age is like 25 or I'm something super to, old, to, you guys. to sign up. <laughs> old lady. Super old. In the next scene, apparently we have a guy named Major Robert Thornbird. They come up with some weird names for people. <laughs> so Thornbird is yep. questioning Jack. He's smoking while he does so, and Jack is making it obvious that he is coughing at the smoke and not too pleased that this guy is smoking in his face because, you know, it's gross. This is 30 or so years ago from the 90s at that point. And, oh, 50 or so years ago from today. <laughs> so weird so O'Neill calmly tells Thornbird (laughs) that his name is Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise wouldn't wasn't Star Trek already on at this point though so shouldn't the guy have recognized that name I mean that man looks like he doesn't watch a lot of TV this is true yeah that's fair so he does say that that's not what O'Neill's dog tags say and Jack tells him that his dog tags are lying (laughs) Thornbird says he's very oppressed by O'Neill's American accent, since apparently they're convinced that they're all Russian spies now. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, right? Good job. But he first wants to know, before they ship them out to 
whatever prison they're going to be going to, wants to know how they got into the facility, their training facility, he specifies, and Jack's like, training facility? <laughs> Apparently, Thornbird rightfully points out that they're not going to fire an actual missile 28 floors inside of a mountain. <laughs> so, good point. And apparently they were able to get Tilk on video using his Zat gun. So, so much for their trying to hide their technology from everybody and what it does. Of course, they also have the technology now, too, in addition to that video of him using it. So it doesn't really matter that they have a camera of it if they were able to figure out how to make it work anyway. So <laughs> O'Neill says, well, it's really hard to say. And Thornward asks him if it's hard to say because it's some sort of a state secret and jack says no it's just difficult to pronounce (laughs) thornbird's not very entertained by jack's response to that and says that they don't take kindly to soviet spies so jack says hmm bob can i call you bob which of course (laughs) reminded me of office space and i love that movie hi bob bob and now i want to go watch that movie again i want to watch it too (laughs) yes and Thornbird says something like, even though you achieve nothing. So, like, I don't really know. Like, is, is that his response to Jack wanting to call him Bob? That, I don't know. If that really... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, they're going back and forth. Obviously, Jack's not giving away any information. And Thornbird is continuing to try to press him for answers and continuing to refer to him as Kirk while Jack continues to refer to him as Bob. <laughs> but then Jack admits his name is not actually Kirk. It is, in fact, Skywalker Luke Skywalker. This whole scene was very entertaining to me. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> this was like, I don't know, peak Jack smart mouth. I really, it really enjoyed was, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's very good at that. Yes. <laughs> in the present, General Hammond is standing, I want to say, in the conference room, staring down at the Stargate. He's in the dark by himself. There's no one around. But then someone, yeah, he's just, you know, thinking maybe. I don't know. But then one of the techs comes up the stairs and reports that SG-1 did not make it to P2X-555. And Hammonds then says that they will have SG-5 complete the mission they were supposed to do. And the dude's like, but what about SG-1? And Hammonds like, hopefully they'll find a way back. And the guy's like, don't we want to search for them? <laughs> and Hammond's like, this is one mission where they're on their own. Yeah. He sounds pretty sad and yeah. is looking pensive and worried. Yeah. So the tech accepts this and he leaves because he's not Jack. So he doesn't fight Hammond on that. <laughs> yes. So back in the past, there is a blue van driving down the road and it passes some random sign that says to breathe deeply because soon you'll be in Albuquerque and there's like a cowgirl on it and you can visit Mike's Leather Emporium apparently which is just so random I also made note of that because I thought it was really funny yeah it was bizarre inside of a van which is presumably the same van that we just saw driving SG-1 are all sitting along benches in the back and they're handcuffed and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen next jack figures that they're going to probably try to split the team up so they're not going to have a whole lot of time to talk and make plans so carter again goes on about trying to live the rest of their lives without affecting history and no one ever figuring out 
who they are. So she's apparently already given up on any hope of returning to their normal timeline That's... at this point, which is weird. She does that, though, sometimes. She's yeah. more of a pessimist occasionally she than really the other is. people. And, yeah, and... it's surprising. Yeah. I guess she's just kind of trying to be practical or pragmatic about yeah. it. And... But you can have a little bit of hope and optimism yeah. in there while still being realistic, I think. Yeah. She says that she can't think of an ore, but Daniel and O'Neill are both pretty insistent that there's got to be an ore of some sort. <laughs> there's got to be some alternative to just living here in the past forever. And Tilk, at this point, points out to everybody what we actually hadn't known before, that if he remains on Earth indefinitely, then eventually he's going to be taken over by his symbiote when it becomes mature. So I thought that was interesting. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A thing we had had not known before. Does it just like stay in his pouch and take over from there, or does it like migraine up to his brainstem and tunnel through his body to get there? We already I don't feel know. Like, like we've already wondered if it can tunnel through his body anyway when it's like yeah. stuff. I, I feel know. like it pops out of the pouch and re-enters yeah. from behind. Oh Welcome. yeah, that's possible and gross, and you're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> I hate that, but yeah. <laughs> uh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the van hits something. And there's a loud. Sorry, I'm done now. <laughs> That's what it would sound like, I think. You're probably right. You're just now. You're just getting even for all the clacky keyboard sounds. <laughs> so the van hits something, and it causes one of the tires to blow out. The van pulls over, and all the officers that were up in the cab get out. One of them is the same guy that had read Carter's note from earlier. And he pulls out his gun and says he's going to go and check on the passengers in the back. The other guys are checking out the tire. Guy with the gun does, in fact, go in the back. And Jack asks, flat tire? And he said, yeah, and I am the one that arranged it. So that's weird. And SG-1 yeah. is all surprised to find this out. How do you arrange a flat tire like that? I don't know. Yeah, that is a very good question. And I have no idea. Because there was only the one tire. Like, yeah. did he? So it's not like he put, like, a strip across the road or a bunch of nails. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Find out. Yeah. Handy guy. Right? Yeah. So he says he found the note that was in Carter's vest and wants to know where they got it from. And suddenly, Sam takes a look at his name tag and OMG, she actually says, oh my god, in fact, <laughs> it says Hammond on it. And apparently, this is Lieutenant Hammond. As in, not yet a crown of marble general, but I was wondering if he's starting to get a crown of marble underneath that hat that he's wearing. He might. We don't ever see. We don't. We c I just called him George after this because Fair. he's not General Hammond. But it's true. Now know. we can start a, a Hammond care. hat watch because <laughs> he got his hat out of nowhere in uh, in the the that's right black hole episode and now he's got a different hat on here that may or may not be hiding <laughs> crown of marbleness so fair so that's two hats for Hammond two hats yep two hats. still I think he's still behind Teal'c a little he bit he is behind but, Teal'c I don't yeah. remember how many Teal'c is at me either but anyway you're I, supposed to be keeping track i do but i haven't looked it up i i could open the document i suppose <laughs> like i anyway. guess it's right here <laughs> do it now i want to know sorry pepper just started howling again <laughs> stop pepper. it kitty one two three so four up to this episode okay yeah 
So anyway, back to the van. Carter tells Lieutenant Hammond, or George, as we can call him now, that General Hammond gave her that note before they left and said to keep it in her vest pocket until they got to the other side. And George is like, well, it's addressed to me in my handwriting. So, I mean, like, I know we all recognize our own handwriting, but if I found some random note that I had no recollection of writing in handwriting that looked very similar to mine, I wouldn't just assume, oh, hey, that's got to be my handwriting. Like, I've had a lot of students that have similar handwriting to me, but when I'm grading their tests, I don't just assume, oh, hey, in some alternate timeline or some future date, I must have taken my (laughs) student's test for them and then turned it into myself. I just assume, oh, hey, that's weird. This person's writing is similar to mine. If you did do that, you're making even more work for yourself than if you just I know, because I writing so much. And then to also, like, time travel and take a student's yeah. test and then have to make myself grade it. It's just <laughs> so much extra work it that I would It seems unlikely. <laughs> but if the handwriting fits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jack wants to know what the note says. And... George tells them that it said to help them, and he says that this would, of course, lead to a court-martial, but he needs to know why he should help them if he is, in fact, going to do so. He seems a little bit too ready to believe what is happening here, but I guess we can see that now, even at a young age, when he doesn't know Jack yet, he's still (laughs) under Jack's influence. (laughs) I also thought that this actor did a really good job of emulating General Hammond, oh, although definitely. I felt like he needed a little bit more Texas to his accent. Yeah, no, I but think like his mannerisms and, and overall way of speaking, I thought were very pretty spot on. Yeah, agreed. yeah. So Carter says that he should trust the note because the note was written by him and it was his idea. Although Jack specifies that it's one he's not going to have for another thirty years yet, so of course George is confused about what is happening, and so Sam tells him that it might be hard to understand, but. They've come back in time. And George says, well, I can't help you because this is all a little too far-fetched for him. Still not troubled by Tilk's tattoo. Nope. That's worth pointing out. So Daniel tells him that they can prove it. Jack asks for the date, and that's when we finally find out that it is actually August 4th, 1969. 69, dudes! Nice. O'Neill says 69. Nice. And asks Daniel what happened in 69. Nice. <laughs> Daniel says the moon landing. And it just was a couple of years ago, or a couple of weeks ago. And so, of course, George is like, yeah, but everybody knows that. And Jack says, yeah, well, not everybody knows that you were watching it from your father's bedside in the hospital two days after his first heart attack. So... Of course, George is pretty stunned that they would know this. There is no way that they could possibly know this. But Jack says, it's because we do know you. We just know you 30 years from now. And there's got to be some part of you that is willing to believe that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be standing here talking to us about this note and trying to figure out whether or not you should be helping us. George, past Hammond, continues to stand there for several seconds and puts his gun back in its holster. We get a hard cut to the inside of the van again, but now there's some ominous music that's been added in as he fishes for some keys and starts unlocking handcuffs. As he tries to unlock Sam's, he notices the nasty-looking wound on her hand. The edges look really swollen, and I also thought it was weird that it had both starry strips and stitches, because I didn't think they were generally both used, but I'm not a doctor. I have no opinion at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so George says to her when she kind of flinches in pain, he says to her, I'm sorry, miss. And good for Sam here correcting him. It's Captain. And she, I noticed she didn't specify that it is also Captain Doctor. That's true. Samantha Doctor Carter. But she seems amused by the fact that she realizes that she actually outranks him at this point. <laughs> and so she asks if she can see the note. Jack says that if they're going to get out of here, they're going to have to knock out the other guys somehow. And so George sits down and reaches down on the floor and picks up the Zat gun, which why was it like, was it just sitting there on the floor? Where was it? Why is it there so readily accessible? Maybe he had it down his pants. Did he hide it earlier when he also sabotaged the tire? I Maybe. I don't, don't know. know. How would yeah. he know he would need that? I we don't, don't know. We don't see where he pulled it out of. We just see him <laughs> reaching down and then coming back up with it. So Pulled it out of his ass. <laughs> he could have literally pulled it out of his ass. Yes. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but maybe. I don't know. It seems like it would be large and uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> to carry something that size and shape. But I am not here to yuck anyone's yum. So apparently, yes, this Zat gun will work. Hopefully it's not smelly and gross from wherever George got it from. (laughs) So they tell Hammond that he needs to go outside and yell for help until it specifies that the the dangerous dangerous foreign foreign agents you now guard have inexplicably freaked freaked themselves. themselves. (laughs) George understands. He gets out and nods and uh, shouts for help and pretends to be pointing his gun at everybody. And so they shoot the other guards with the Zat gun. So they ask where the rest of their gear is, and Hammond says that it's in another truck that's going to be coming up behind them. All of it, apparently, except for this one Zat gun, is in that other truck. So again, why? (laughs) Why is this one Zat gun the only thing that's not there with the rest of their gear? But anyway, that truck is going to be there in any minute now, so they tell Hammond old-timey Hammond to lay down and pretend that he's unconscious along with the rest of the guards. So eventually the other truck does come up, and when they see all of the guards from the first truck unconscious on the ground, they get out. Jack and the others were, of course, hiding and fire on them and knock them all out as well. George gets back up, joins them. They go in the back of the truck and open one of the big boxes that's in the back there, and it is, like, stuffed full of gear like i don't know how they could have possibly carried this much gear on them even among the four of them because it's a large box that is stuffed full of gear and then we learn there's also a second box full of gear like what how are they carrying all of this they don't look like they're ever i mean like they've got a lot of gear on them but it doesn't look like they're carrying two big crates full of gear on them when they go on these missions so That was weird. (laughs) Yeah. And so again, Hammond's like, yeah, all of your equipment except for this ray gun (laughs) are in that box. Again, why? So Jack gets up. He takes the the Zat gun and he shoots the two boxes three times to make them vaporize. And Hammond is very stunned to see this happen. Jack asks about the videotape that they have of Tilk firing the Zat gun at the rocket. And conveniently, it was also in one of those boxes that they just vaporized. So that's good. Yeah. Jack asks George if he's got any cash. 
and because cash was way more common back then than it is today, he does, of course. So he hands it over and Jack says that he'll pay him back with interest. Carter tells him that under no circumstances can he ever tell anyone anything about what's just happened here for the entire rest of his life. Then George says, General Hammond, huh? I like the sound of that. Then <laughs> he asks them what they're going to do next. And Jack's like, well, I can't tell you because we don't want you getting court-martialed. And so he shoots him with his at gun to make him unconscious. And I was wondering how they were going to handle that situation of him helping them yeah. escape and not get court-martialed in the process. So apparently that's how they do it. Give him all the old one zap. Yep. <laughs> the, thankfully only the one zap. The one zap. Yeah. yeah. So they decide they need to get off of that road and find an interstate. Yeah. And they head off into the trees. Into the woods. Yeah. 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 They're walking in the woods. They are. It looks surprisingly like Vancouver, even it though it's... Ha- shocking. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Jack says their plan is to find the Stargate. Daniel wants to know, what if we don't find it? And Jack's like, well, there's that one in Antarctica. <laughs> and they're like, great, Antarctica. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Tilk wants to... Accessible. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. It was totally easy for them to get it the first time when they landed in Antarctica. So, yeah. yeah. Tilk wants to know how they are going to get back, even if they find the Stargate. That's in the note, right? Sam says, no. <laughs> Not explicitly, anyway. Aww. Jack reads the note aloud, says it's helpful. Sam says it's probably intentionally cryptic so as not to change history at all. But two things will happen at those dates and times, and they just have to figure out what those some things are. They all look really happy and continue on their way. A little later, they come across a road. A Corvette drives by, and Jack complains about how Corvettes used to be so cool. That's important. <laughs> yeah. It is when Daniel teases him about only being four and a half. That's true. In Dan- 1969. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's teasing him while they cross the road, and they get down in a ditch on the other side. Jack has Sam try to hitch a ride, so she stands up on the side of the road with her thumb out while she's doing that. I like the alluring pose that she tries to strike, which doesn't really work when you're dressed in big baggy no. fatigues. She also really isn't paying attention to what she's doing. Like, no, she's she'd be not. like looking away, and then a car would like zoom by, and she'd be like, "Ah!" And I'm like, right. "Yeah, because you're not trying. You're not looking. Yeah, you're yeah. not trying." While she's trying. Daniel (laughs) says that he thinks they should go to New York because that is where Catherine lives and she might know where the Stargate is. Sam's, though, distracted and not doing her job hitching a ride, says that they cannot do that because she cannot meet Daniel until years from now. And Daniel's like, we'll go in disguise as foreigners. (laughs) Ooh, how exotic. Yes. (laughs) He does speak 23 different languages, he says. Pick one. Of course you do, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, how are we only learning that now? First of all, I'm not convinced anyone can really yeah. speak 23 languages. <laughs> and if they can, then wow, I'm impressed. But yeah. shouldn't we have learned this before now? <laughs> Somehow, I would think so. Somewhere. But yeah, so Daniel thinks maybe even their visiting her gives Catherine the idea to start up her research again in the first place, which she does around this time. Mm-hmm. Tilt gets tired of Sam's terrible efforts at getting them a ride. 
He says this method is ineffective. <laughs> so he climbs on out of the ditch and stands in the middle of the road, spreads his arms and legs out in front of this colorfully painted bus. It's a beautiful bus. <laughs> it is. And Jack slaps him on the arm and asks him what he's thinking. And Teal's like, that is effective, O'Neill. <laughs> It was. Yeah. Jack goes to the door of the bus and opens it. And oh my God, it's Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem on their crazy ass bus from the Muppet movie. That is what that bus is. It totally is. <laughs> but really, Fantastic. it's a couple of hippies. But I really want it to be Dr. Teeth. I know. <laughs> Not to be confused with Martooth. Yes. <laughs> Although Dr. Teeth also has prominent teeth. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> he would have stopped me, says the guy. They're headed for upstate New York for some big concert. Gee, I wonder <laughs> what, what that would have been. <laughs> they are headed in the same direction as the team who want to go to New York, so they are invited to hop in. As opposed to hop on. Tilk <laughs> looks at the bus. <laughs> and the hippie tells Tilk to ride on up front with him, brother. It's cool. Still no one thinks anything of his tattoo. <laughs> no. So Tilk gets on, sits up front. Everyone else is in the back. The dude introduces himself as Michael. And Tilk tells Michael, I am not liberty at liberty to reveal my identity. <laughs> and Michael's like, far out. <laughs> really enjoyed this whole really episode. Yeah, it really yeah. was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the back of the bus, Sam, Jack, and the girl who did we ever get her name? Her name is Jenny. At some point, someone says okay. it, but she doesn't introduce herself. Okay. So Sam, Jack, apparently Jenny, and Daniel are all sitting on benches in the back of the bus as it starts to head down the road, and. Uh, Daniel kind of sheepishly looks over to her and says hello, and she says hi. She asks what they did, and Daniel says, well, we didn't do anything. But Jack's like, no, we've got a problem with the establishment. (laughs) And so then all of a sudden Jenny opens up and she's like, oh, I can so relate. (laughs) So apparently she had been a little skeptical of them before, but upon hearing that, now she is perfectly comfortable with them and tells Carter how much she loves Carter's hair. (laughs) And they reiterate that they need to try to get to New York. They want to try to find some cheap clothes so that they can blend in. So Jack asks if there's any cheap clothes place around. (laughs) So yeah, they're going to go and take them to get some clothes on the way. Now, finally, finally, (laughs) someone asks Tilk about his tattoo. Michael asks Tilk what it means, and Tilk says that it represents slavery to false gods, and Michael's like, right on. <laughs> and he asks what it's made out of, but Tilk will not discuss it further. <laughs> so Michael's like, cool, all right. He figures that they all just went AWOL and tells them that they're thinking about crossing up to Canada after this big concert that they are going to. And Tilk asks why. <laughs> Michael says, because, you know, the, the war. Tilk says, the war with Canada. <laughs> Which also made me laugh. 
And Michael's expression here too was really great because he's yeah. like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah, and he's like, "Uh, no, no, <laughs> not, not not a war with Canada." And he the war with turns Canada. back to the road and is just like glancing at Teal'c as yeah. he continues to drive silently. <laughs> the side eye. And then we get a big oh. long musical montage, which okay again gives me Muppet movie vibes. <laughs> Just yes, it knows. Yeah, I can see that for like, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, they stop in Texas for some clothes. They do. They move on in St. Louis. They're on the side of the road while Jack services the bus. Then I really Teal- like the clothing style that they've all opted for. Yeah. And when we see Teal'c walk out, <laughs> I yet again laughed. But I really liked his style. It was just really yeah. interesting to see how he was dressed. Yeah, and he decided in addition to having like a a headband wrap on his across his forehead to get some hair. Yeah. 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 So he's got a lot of hair and like a cool vest and he's wearing yeah. like red velvet bell bottoms. And I wanted to know if he picked out all his own clothes or if someone picked it out for him, but I like I like to think that he picked it all out himself. Yeah. And was really going, you know, letting him letting his personal flair come out. So Yeah. 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 Yeah, Jack's outfit looked very Jack. It did. Yeah, leather Daniel's, jacket, motorcycle boots and jeans. Daniel seemed sufficiently nerdy. Nerdy. Yeah. He, yeah, he looked like <laughs> 70s professor with like a, a blazer and yeah. plaid bell bottoms. And just Sam looks super cool. Sam looks cool and classy with some rose tinted glasses and a long skirt and a yeah. cool flowy vest. Yeah. Yeah. I was really digging everybody's uh, yeah. fashion choices here. I thought yeah. it was great. Do we count? Do we count? The headband and hair as a that's hat. That's what I was wondering. I, I kind think, of feel like yeah. we should. I feel like we should, because it's not really a hat. But for a bald person, can't we say that a wig is just kind of a hair hat? I think so, right? I think a we should. Yeah. 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 And I'm I think the addition of the, the bandana, too, it makes it even more hat-like. Yeah. It could all be one piece. Maybe, yeah, maybe it could he be. got, like, uh, it's like a costume hat with the headband already... Part yeah, of it. it could yeah. be like the time that Jeff and I went on a cruise, and I don't know why, we don't know why, but for some reason, everybody was wearing visors with Guy Fieri hair attached <laughs> to it. It's really weird. It was so bizarre. <laughs> like, yeah, so it was like all these people wearing like furry wigs with like frosted tips and a visor attached to it, and it was just weird. Like, we have no idea like why so many people were wearing this either or where they were getting it from, but like a bunch of people on the ship had it. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fury Fest, I yeah. guess. So weird. On the open water. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that yeah. counts as a hat. So I think yeah. that his his hair and bandana or a or a scarf should also count as a hat. Yeah. 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 In Chicago they get some groceries. Then they Sam do. drives. It's exciting. Then they stop in Philly. To do some camping in the woods. So the team is sitting around a fire while Jenny and Michael are sort of peeking through the trees, we come to find out. Right. Which, but, it was pretty obvious they were peeking through the trees, so you'd think they would be a little bit more careful in what they're saying. Yeah, and it's not like, like, the van was right there, so, like, right. where else would they have been? Exactly. For- <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's nowhere else they would have been other than right nearby. Oh, jeez. Sam's staring into the fire that suddenly flares up, and she realizes they had to have time traveled due to a solar flare. Obviously. 
We need to talk what about else your could flair. It have been? <laughs> and this is my office space reminder. We need to talk about your flair. Although different <laughs> flair. <laughs> good times. Good times. So Teal was like, "Oh, so it was an error in your calculations?" And she's like, "Obviously, no." <laughs> she says that at some point before in the past. There we go. <laughs> she would him and future, but past to them. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. Yeah. Okay. In Sam's personal history. Yes, personal history, but future from where they are now in '69. She was asked to explore alternative applications. For gate for using the gate, including time travel. <gasps> Coincidence? Huh. So she said the only way that the, the only way she could figure it to work would be if a massive solar flare happened at the exact moment they were traveling through a wormhole. <laughs> Doesn't this just add that much more dangerous complication to all of the traveling through the gate that they're doing in addition to yeah. all the other weird random dangerous complications that we've seen so far yeah and so, uh, maybe yeah. they shouldn't be messing around with this thing yeah i don't know Still? She, yeah but but you know these are just theoretical until yeah. now i guess until now yeah right. but the something about the wormhole moving closer to the sun because of the flare and the magnetic field increased gravity slingshots whatever back to slingshots them back to earth somehow that equals time travel yeah well you know if you slingshot backwards around the sun that makes you travel back in time isn't that how they did it in star trek 4 i was gonna say i think that star trek also used this yes Yes. (laughs) everyone knows that i know (laughs) backwards around the sun why has no one tried this before, Daniel wonders. And Sam says that it's because solar flares cannot be predicted, so it's really not useful. <laughs> but so Daniel's like, how do we get home? And Sam has figured out that the notes are likely time and dates of solar flares that General Hammond, in the their normal present, must have looked up the flares that occurred in 1969 in order to give them away to bring them home. That must be it. Yeah. What else could it possibly be? <laughs> At this point, the hippies come into the clearing. <laughs> they are uh, concerned about some of the stuff they've just heard. Jack offers them soup, but Michael wants to know who they are, and they're traveling to Earth and where? What? Jack's like, we're in trouble with the establishment. Just not the establishment on this planet. <laughs> So they're posing now as aliens who came to Earth long ago to hide from a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) Yes. Damn, you little chimes in. (laughs) And it's now their time to go home. And they ask for Michael and Jenny's continued help because they need to be in New York by tomorrow. Michael's not so sure about this. So Jack picks up the Zat and shoots the fire that goes... Extra flare. 37 pieces of it. Do you really yeah. just want to do the minimum? <laughs> I don't really like talking about my flare. Okay. They're impressed. And so it looks like we really need your help. And 
Jenny is into it, so Michael agrees. Yeah. I was worried for a minute there that Jack was going to stun them and that they were going to steal the bus, and I was glad that that is not what happened. That would have been some uh, change. They never would have made it to Woodstock then, those poor people. I know, right? That would have been sad. Yeah. So, anyway, we get another montage. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) They are looking at newspapers this time, and we are seeing about Nixon going on vacation. And that's cool. And then there's a map, and apparently we are going from Philadelphia up to New York. And they come up to an observatory. Jack and Teal'c get out of the bus to go into the observatory, and Carter reminds him to use the hydrogen alpha solar filter. Duh. So that O'Neill doesn't burn his eyes out because he's going to be looking at the sun with a telescope. I heard I you can just look at the sun. Yeah, you can just look the at the time. sun, especially um, like during uh, an eclipse. An eclipse uh, yeah. If you're a president, you can safely look at it without covering your eyes. Yeah. Fun fact. Inside the observatory, which is oddly abandoned but <laughs> and not locked, so some <laughs> random people are able to just wander in and use the ridiculously expensive and precise equipment. Why? Who knows? But Jack and Tilk are able to get in and use this microscope without any problem. There's nobody there to oppose them. Jack figures out how to get the dome overhead open, and they start looking through the telescope right at the sun, which generally you're never, ever supposed to do. I don't know if there are actually filters that make this doable, but sure. Well, I'll take their word for it, since I know nothing about astronomy. Then we get more music. Woo! For a montage. The bus is driving down the highway, and we see the Statue of Liberty, and then we see New York City and New Jersey. Where everyone's your friend. Yeah, absolutely. And then they pull up in front of a house in the bus. Yeah. A nice little, nice, nice two-story house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice house. Daniel and Sam have gone to see Catherine, who is younger than we've seen her, because it's 30 years before the Stargate opened. I feel like she's too young, though, because they found the gate and like, well, like, how old was she when they found the gate? Like, was it 1928? It was 1928, but like, like, how old was she then? Like, maybe eight know. or ten? Somewhere around there. So she should be like in her 50s at this point. Oh. And this chick is totally not in her 50s. No, she's not. She is still wearing the pendant, though. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. She doesn't have the same blonde hair that Catherine has in uh, Stargate Origins, though. No, she so does I not. guess at some point she decided to become a brunette. Yeah. And also to stop aging. I mean, you can do that. Just yeah. st- you can color <laughs> just your stop. hair, just stop the aging process. <laughs> yep. 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 Daniel is posing as the son of Heinrich Gruber, who used to work with Catherine's dad. Isn't the guy that they talked about in uh, Origins named Dietrich? Oh, I think so. So, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, discontinuity. Ah, shocking. I guess you, I'm I guess shocked. you have more than one coworker, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> Daniel is speaking with some kind of accent. I don't know anything about a German accent. I mean, I've spoken it to people who this. are German. <laughs> yeah. This is awful. Did your father ever explain to you the nature of the work he was doing in 1945? Only that the American military was under the mistaken impression that the device Dein father discovered might halt some dark military purpose. You, it was also super weird where he'd be like, 
mine father and i'm like yeah. you could just say my father you're speaking english my right. is not one of the hard words in english daniel mine father often spoke of dine father it is such an awful awful german <laughs> accent like distractingly bad and it was hard to understand for me at some points yeah. too it was so bad like, i was like what the fuck is he saying <laughs> Yeah. The guy that plays Bruca in Origins does it way better. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> As to Jeff's grandparents, for that matter. Ah, uh, yes, Jeff's grandparents, right. <laughs> so Catherine wants to know why they're there and what was so important they couldn't talk about it over the phone. Sam and Daniel look at one another, and Daniel says that they found a second artifact near the one discovered in 1928. I believe you meant to say second artifact. <laughs> yes. Discovered. <laughs> Just so bad. <laughs> a maid comes in to serve them tea, and I only note this because I'm pretty sure that's the same tea set from Torments of Tantalus. I like oh, peeked nice. and I'm like, it looks, it looks similar, close enough. Like, I cool. think it's pr- I think it's the same one. Nice. If not, they did a good job of close approximation. Fabulous. But when she comes in, Catherine starts speaking in German. Because... Daniel keeps speaking in English. Yeah. He's an idiot. Yeah. She obviously <laughs> doesn't want her t- her maid to know what's going on. Right. So she asks Daniel what he knows. Daniel, in English, says his father's notes refer to a doorway to heaven. And then I think he switches at that point back yeah, to he did German. Or to German. <laughs> Stating that they had found a fragment of a cover stone with markings, but nothing underneath it. And Catherine says that she knew there must have been a second device to, to, to control the ring. They're just talking about the, the work that her father did during the war. I think she wasn't sure exactly what the nature of the work was. Thus. And Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least according yeah. to Origins, anyway. I know. I don't know. Like. <laughs> Should we bring Origins even into this, really? Like, I, I think don't we know. should. Well, no. I mean, we don't really need to. But. We haven't even finished watching that. We have so. <laughs> Daniel says that he was under the impression the device might hold some dark military purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and he was sworn to secrecy and that's all he knows. Sworn. Sworn. <laughs> and Catherine and her father were also sworn to secrecy and the Stargate has been locked away. Daniel wants to know where, Catherine says, an armory in D.C., but it's pointless because the military won't even acknowledge its, its existence. I heard a cat meow in the background. I know, me too. <laughs> it was adorable. And then, we didn't get to yeah, see it. But. No, but it meowed. Yeah. And then Daniel asks which armory. Why on earth would Catherine tell this rando this? Right? I don't understand. Like, what, what does he feed her to make her think it's important for him to go find the stargate like, right i don't know or what did he we put don't... in her tea when she wasn't looking yeah i don't know yeah but something it's... she obviously tells him but yeah <laughs> well thankfully the end of that scene is the last that we get of daniel's just atrocious german accent yes <laughs> <laughs> and we're back in the observatory again jack says that in a few seconds they should know whether or not they're going to be able to go back they're expecting that they're going to see that solar flare if a solar flare does happen as that note is presumably predicting. And Tilk asks, and if not, 
And Jack says, I guess we stay, which would suck a lot for Tilk because Tilk would have a pretty bleak future if that were the case. Yeah. Apparently it is time for the flare to happen. So Jack checks in the, the telescope. And in fact, he does see a flare happening. All right, there's my flare, okay? And this is me expressing myself, okay? There it is. And if we have any astronomy friends that want to let us know if you would be actually able to be able to look at a solar flare from a telescope like this, I would be happy to hear about that because I don't know. So because they see a solar flare, Jack tells Tilk that at precisely 6.03 p.m. tomorrow, they're going to go home. That's convenient. Yes. Yeah. The electric mayhem pulls up just as Jack (laughs) and Tilk exit the building. You fans have given us so much throughout the years. Your love, your money, your underwear. (laughs) They hop on in. Perfect timing. Yes. Tilk confirms that Sam's theory is correct. And Jack asks where they need to go. Daniel says, we're going to DC. Yet another montage with yep. the same stupid music. <laughs> hey, that stupid music I will have you know was composed by a specific person whose name is in the credits. I don't know why it's important for me to tell you that. Sure His it name is. was Bruce Turgon. Oh, yeah. that name sounds familiar. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know him from anything, but yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, they had somebody specific come and do this. That's fun. Yeah. It's just like it's some... actually not bad music. It's just weird that they keep doing all these musical montages <laughs> using that one song. Yeah. It's just weird. Just, I don't know. It's just some generic jaunty rock tune. Yeah. Like, I will surely be playing it in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny and Michael drive them to 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 see because they are good folks. Mm-hmm. And Sam says they're if it's going to be close, and if they can't if they can't find a power source right away, and Jack's like, we will. That's that scene. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Hard cute. cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack says to Michael and Jenny that you're unbelievably. Daniel supplies groovy. Jack's like, yeah, groovy. I want to know what he was actually planning on saying. Yeah, I don't know. Off, I don't know. We never know. We don't. Nope. Daniel says the people of his world will be grateful. <laughs> Jack adds, not the establishment, though. <laughs> really lay into that one uh, lean into there was a uh, yeah but they have to do the rest of this themselves jenny wants to know why jack says it's dangerous michael would like to go with them and says that they owe them and jack's like we sure do but you can't go with me you have to stay here trust me this is a great time he says (laughs) jenny says that michael got drafted sucks yes Michael says they were going to the concert for one last blast, but if they went with SG-1, that would be better because he doesn't want to kill anybody. Jack starts to say something here, but Sam cuts him off and says they cannot say anything and Michael has to make up his own mind about what he's going to do. It sounds like Michael made up his mind. He wanted to go with them, but okay. Well, they also (laughs) talked about going to Canada, too, so it sounds like he's going to be draft dodging and I guess and... 
I think Jack is pissed about that. Uh, he probably. Or do we think is. that he feels bad that the kid was drafted? I was. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know what Jack's feelings are yeah. on Vietnam. So. No, I don't either. I guess we don't know. Like he's clearly he's upset by the situation, but yeah, I had trouble reading if he was upset that the kid was going to have to go to war. Or he's not really a kid. He actually looked like he was way too old to be with the chick that he was traveling <laughs> with. But I don't know if he was feeling bad and upset that he that Michael was going to have to go to war, or if he was feeling angry that Michael was planning on dodging the draft as yeah. in, as somebody who himself has made a career out of being in the military it's very unclear yeah so they're gonna walk from there jack apologizes to michael and jenny and the team climbs out of the bus jenny tells sam their secret is safe with them and sam's like i know and hugs her and thanks them and tells them to take care and they part ways is amanda tapping just really tall or is the person that plays jenny really short or good is it a bit question of i don't know because she's way taller than the person that plays jenny I don't know. Maybe she's got some platform shoes on. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. Too. I'm curious now. She is 5'9". She's a tall lady. Oh, she is a tall lady. Yeah. She is awesome. taller taller than a Kathy or a Mary even. Yeah. Relatively tall people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. The team is inside of a warehouse. We see a big rectangular crate standing up. So apparently here they don't store the Stargate on its side as they do with the second Stargate. It's so weird. In modern day, quite yeah. Like, what is this? What is this place? Like, <laughs> it's so random. There's a Stargate standing up. There's like random vehicles. What it looks yeah. disorganized. I don't know. What I think is it's the this? storage room. I th- I'm thinking it's probably like the same storage warehouse from uh, Indiana Jones. So probably oh, the Ark of the Covenant is in there somewhere too. <laughs> would be my guess. All the things nobody wants to ever find again. Exactly. Yeah. A guard crosses the room and steps out of frame and then there's a blast of blue light and the jeep gets electrocuted so like did the shot just go right through the guy to the jeep like we only heard one shot and i was confused as to why the truck was getting shot in the process i, I guess don't it know rebounded off of him anyway it doesn't really matter i was only confused because i hadn't seen the guy at first until i rewound it and i was like why are they shooting that truck randomly and then that's when i realized when i rewound it that there was a guy that had walked by first this is that crazy what do you want <laughs> just go around shooting things see what happens you know yeah. you don't want to go crazy and do a three all the time but right. maybe a one here and there see what yeah, happens just just yeah. for fun yeah yeah so after that guy is out of the way, because apparently there's no more than just one guard in this facility, so they go up to the big tall crate and they unlock all of the seals that are all around it. The front and the back fall down and ta-da, there's the Stargate standing yeah. conveniently upright. And they made convenient ramps out of the sides of the crate that fell. They did. Just fell perfectly right. aligned. There was, yeah. It's a good thing that there was absolutely nothing in the way in front of or behind so that they could... <laughs> knock the these walls down without yeah. uh without having any issue of something blocking it so jack asks where they should go and carter says that they should go the way they came via p2x555 daniel asks her how she knows that that's going to get them forward in time instead of back and she says well hammond would have chosen flares on the opposite side of the sun this time so the sun's rotational differential blah 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 would send them <laughs> forward instead of back and sure whatever you say sam yeah okay everyone looks doubtful as was i yep so she says that they just need to trust general hammond at this point and apparently they've got 15 minutes in order to make this happen so 
they need to find a power source and jack asks how much power and obviously that answer is 1.21 gigawatts gigawatts! everyone knows that (laughs) duh so they hook it up to a truck which is apparently a very powerful truck because they don't need a bolt of lightning they just need this truck (laughs) for their 1.21 gigawatts of power (laughs) it's a super truck So they wait for the time to come, and they dial the gate. They get the chevrons locked. Outside the building, a guard passes, but he hears some sound happening, and he's curious and goes in and is very stunned to see what is happening there as the gate opens. Why was nobody keeping watch for somebody coming in? I don't know. He surprises all of them when he yells at them to stop because none of them were keeping a lookout. Well, everything has been so unguarded. Why, why bother? <laughs> yes, apparently. There wasn't really any, like, large security risk issues going on back in 1969, so I can see why everything was left Mm, unguarded. Indeed. Yeah. Nice. By the way. (laughs) So Jack says, we have to go. There is a firefight between that guard and some other guards that come in. Jack is firing the Zat gun at them, and they're firing actual guns back at SG-1, and thankfully the guards have been trained very poorly because they are very bad shots and don't Mm. manage to hit anybody. Sam says that they still have a few more seconds before the time's going to be right. But Jack says, well, it's got to be close enough. We got to go now. (laughs) So there you go. They sure do. Yeah. They all run for it. Yeah. So the next. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Because they slingshotted. They didn't actually have to go to P2X5. Okay. I got it. Sorry. I think they were like slingshotting around past. Like they were dialing out to that planet, but then it slingshotted them back. Yeah. I think. Is theoretically how it works. And then they picked up some humpback whales along the way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yay. Admiral, there be whales here. They come from the Cetacean Institute. <laughs> the world's only captive humpback whales. <laughs> that is not a thing that can ever happen. No, no. <laughs> but I still love that movie so much. It's a good movie. It's so good. The team comes through the gate. Bullets are flying behind them as Jack hurls himself through. The gate room is completely dark, except for some lighted strip around the ramp for some reason. And everything around the gate is covered in drop claws of some kind. I first heard you say lighted stripper. I was like, I don't remember there being a stripper with lights on. (laughs) I see. Disco stripper, just like your disco bear. Just like my disco bear when she wears her LED vest at night. (laughs) It's a stripper in an LED vest. What do you want? All right. Fair. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Jack makes a Wizard of Oz reference. We're home, ATM. Sam asks where everyone is, and then the door to the gate room opens, and in walks an old woman in, I don't know, a nightgown? Yeah, why or, is she wearing a nightgown? I don't know. Or like an, a really, really old-timey white dress. I don't know. Yeah, and none of them seem to notice that, like, all the equipment is covered in, like, shrouds or sheets or something. They're just like, there's no people, but nobody comments on the fact that everything is covered up and dusty, too. Yeah. She greets Jack by name and then Teal'c and Daniel. She says she hardly recognizes Daniel with hair. (laughs) Jack's like, do we know you? And she says, Sam will recognize me. And she has Sam come closer. And Sam sees it is Cassandra, and they hug. And Jack is confused because Cassandra is 13 years old. 
Cassandra says she's been expecting them her whole life and explains that they went in through the gate a few seconds too soon and the flare Oops. threw them far into the future. Who would have thought that precise measurements are important and that not following those precise yeah. measurements would have repercussions? Crazy. Although I guess we saw in the episode with the with the black hole, Sam's like the the location and direction of the bomb had to be exact and yeah, they're like then... this is good enough, and it apparently <laughs> was in that case. So well, you know, it works for Jack sometimes, so he just rolls with good yeah, enough. There, Cassandra is going to send them back. Daniel wants to know how she knew about this. Cassandra tells them that Sam told her about this. And that she's going to need to send her home. And she explained this when Cassandra was old enough to understand. So they don't have any time to actually chit chat beyond this. Because they got to go. And she cares about precision. She does. Unlike Jack. But there's so much to know. And Cassandra's like, what? Sam, what are you doing? You know that's not (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah. Cassandra has a bit of sparkle bling on the back of her hand that she touches and it opens the gate. Where do we think this came from? Do we think it's alien tech or do we think that we figured out how to develop this based on things we learned on other planets? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Sam pulls out the GDO. There's the Hmm. word. And Cassandra tells them your journey is just beginning. And the team goes through the gate. In the gate room, a technician tells Hammond that there's an incoming traveler, and he is surprised when he realizes that it's SG-1. Hammond tells him to open the iris, and he seems surprised and also relieved as he rushes down to the gate room to meet SG-1. The iris slides open, and the team all come through, and O'Neill is just so relieved. <laughs> Shouts, yes! <laughs> <laughs> and he heads down to meet Hammond and gives him a kind of half-assed salute and says we're home and he says that it's thanks to one sparky young lieutenant hammond (laughs) sam asks how he knew and hammond tells him that when he was a young lieutenant he was ordered to escort four people from cheyenne mountain and in the vest pocket of one he found a note with his name on it shouldn't they like george future past george already told them all of this so he's not telling them anything that wasn't already told to them But anyway, he reiterates everything that George said to them in the past, that he said to them in the past. Sam asks how he could have possibly known when was the right time to give it to her. And he said that when he saw the cut on her hand, that he remembered seeing it when he took her handcuffs off way back in 1969. Nice. Sam says, so you've just been waiting for this to happen? And Hammond says, yep, ever since we met. And I almost didn't even let you go on this mission. But Sam's says but right but if you didn't then you would have changed your own history so of course Hammond had to let them go but now he says it's going to be a very long debriefing people and they're going to start in an hour and then he also tells Jack that with interest Jack now owes him $539.50 and Jack smiles and says yes sir and do we think that he ever actually fulfills his promise to pay Hammond back with interest as he said he would I'm gonna say yes I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I'm going to think he probably does too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. That was the end of the episode. Yes, it was. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It was. I was going to say, I'm not really even going to bother to ask because I already know you liked this episode. I also liked this episode. Would you like to talk about why you liked it though? I mean, what's not to like about it? I love time travel. I liked (laughs) their fun costumes. I loved the whole like 
hanging out with hippies on a bus thing. Teal'c was hilarious. <laughs> Extra fish out of water in this one. I like seeing young Hammond. And I I don't know. I, I just, I really enjoy a good, like, time. I mean, as I said, I really like time travel stories. I don't care that. I think it's funny when they don't actually explain anything about, like, how it happens. Yeah. Like, this, they're like, I would oh, prefer that shot to... around the sun. Yeah, yeah, I don't want a technical explanation about why they think this would work. I don't care. But I, Yeah, I prefer that to what that book that I was talking about tried to do, which was explain what the theory is and then be like nah <laughs> just now nah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna say that that's not true and we're gonna do our own thing <laughs> yeah yeah so i yeah i really enjoyed that it sent me off to go enjoy other things i enjoyed in the past so i watched the roswell that ends well episode of futurama after this <laughs> i yes i watched the muppet movie excellent i intend to rewatch office space oh yeah for sure and when I was reading uh, the Wikipedia page for The Electric Mayhem, like you do, <laughs> I saw that they had done a, a cover of Paul Simon's Kodachrome. Oh, I love that song. And then that sent me into a Paul Simon whirlwind where I've been listening to a lot of Paul Simon. So it's all been real good. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah that's great. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I also really liked this episode. It was... Very funny to me. I, I actually think that having this transcript here and then just occasionally taking notes on the transcript and not having to pause as often as I do helped to make it even more enjoyable. Nice. Probably. So I'm probably going to continue to to keep taking notes this way and see if it continues to go okay. Because it saved me a lot of time and yeah. makes it easier to enjoy the episodes. Yeah, really funny. I... As I said, I was really enjoying how everybody dressed and seeing like a different part of their personality that we don't get to see when they're all dressed in their uniforms. And yeah, I like to think that they all chose their own outfits, even though Tilk is like so stoic all the time. He had such a flamboyant outfit on. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. I generally also like time travel stories. I don't know that I like them quite as much as you do. And as I said before, if they're not done well, when I was complaining about that book, because that book didn't do it well, I don't like them if they're done badly, but I think that they did a good job with it here. This has nothing really to do with this episode, but I like time travel stories that take us from someplace in the future to present day, too. So that yeah. actually is making me look forward to the upcoming season of Picard, which will be great. But that has nothing to do with Stargate. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that it'll be present day, but it's going to be like near present day. Uh, uh, I haven't watched any uh, teasers about new Picard. so Oh, that's all I know is like yeah. a general plot line. But okay. I haven't really watched much in the way of, I think I've watched one teaser. but When is that starting? Do we know? It doesn't matter. That's no. not relevant to this. December? Oh, okay. I think maybe December. I don't remember. It's soon. Nice. Let me take a quick look. I know it's coming up sooner than I had realized initially, and I'm excited. And apparently there's also going to be season three, so that's great. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, February. Damn it. Oh, okay. So not as soon as I had thought. Something else is coming up, though. Maybe it's got to be one of the other series, because there's so many Star Trek series coming out now. Yeah. Um, there's got to be, well, there's going to be Discovery, another season of Discovery coming out soon, and then there's going to be Prodigy starting soon, so I'm excited oh, right. for all that. But yeah. Anyway, again, not relevant to this nope. podcast necessarily. <laughs> not yeah. that we never go off on irrelevant tangents. But yeah, all over. Great episode. I enjoyed it very, very much. Yeah. 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 What's next? What's next? Something hopefully we will also enjoy. I hope so. It is the final season. No, that's wrong. It's the <laughs> show over. Oh, it's- no. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have the final episode of season what? two, 22. I know. That's, That's crazy to me. Yeah. It's called Out of Mind. Is it about us? It might be. <laughs> if, our name, like if our name is O'Neill, uh, yes. No. I probably have some relatives with that name, but none that I'm actually aware of. O'Neill, though, is told that he's been frozen for 79 years, and the rest of SG-1 perished long ago. But is it real, or is it a gold simulation? I bet it's real. It's probably real. I mean, we just did some time traveling, and now we're frozen cavemanning. It's great. Yeah. Um, let me see if the booklet differs at all on this one. O'Neill awakens seemingly from a 79-year cryogenic sleep, so far the same, to find that his team is long dead, also the same. He is questioned about the Stargate, but then discovers that it's a setup and he's actually a prisoner of the gold. What? So this one answers that question where it's a question mark on Netflix. Who intend to learn all his secrets, dot, 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 and then destroy him. Oh, who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah. So those are are our descriptions. Yeah, they are. The booklet is so silly. It is. (laughs) I do vaguely remember this episode. I don't remember whether or not I liked it, but I do. I remember remember this episode. General storyline, though. I'm pretty sure it's uh, a cliffhanger of a season ender. So yeah, get ready for that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think the last oh, one Oh, no, was we're going to have to wait a whole too. week between these seasons. <laughs> I, know. I know. So long. Can't In that, it. like, we don't really even need to wait at all. I guess I could just no, watch I them can... both if I, I really actually wanted to. Was, I rewatched 1969 this morning while I was eating breakfast because nice. I was like, well, what else am I going to do with my eyes while I'm eating breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Can't Fair. chew with them. No. So I... It, it auto started auto playing the next one. And I was like, no, stop. I'm not ready. <laughs> so I saw the opening like a few seconds. Yeah. It was terrible. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. It was, <laughs> I was like, uh oh. <laughs> it was so serious. bad. Oh my God. Like, how bad can it be in the first few seconds? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to talk about today? No, I think that's, uh, that's it. This was an enjoyable time talking it about was. an enjoyable episode. Absolutely. Well, that is it for us today. As always, thank you for listening. And if you haven't already subscribed, please do so on your podcatcher of choice so you can get our episodes when they're released every Monday or you can find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are always very much appreciated and word of mouth is as well. So if you are enjoying the podcast, tell absolutely everybody that you know. Thanks. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter on Instagram at stargatesing. If you're feeling generous, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash stargatesing. Or if you don't necessarily want to make that monthly commitment that is required at Patreon, you can make a donation to us via stargatesing at gmail.com on PayPal. And a donation of $15 or more will get you access to a special one-time donor-only feed that will have our Stargate Origins episodes in it that are currently only going to Patreon members. And of course, you can check out our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end.
I got a Nikon camera. I like to take a <laughs> photograph so mama don't take Such my Kodachrome away. Such a good song.